turn that on. It'll be a little easier. Good morning. Thank you, music team, again. And uh, you know what? I just, I, I'll just tell you, uh, full, full transparency here, I love seeing you all here. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I just, while we're on the sort of vibe of confessing, uh, it gives me joy. Um, I, I have a lot of joy as I see people coming in here and they keep coming and I like to make the ushers work to get more chairs. Uh, I think that's fabulous. And uh, just, you know, different people standing, moving, whatever it is. Uh, praise the Lord. It is good to be together. Yes. All right. Get that off my chest. Yeah, so it feels... Well, yeah, tell, yeah, exactly. Good. I like it. Some talking back, too. So now we're getting somewhere. Uh, it, it just isn't right to be preaching only to a lens. Okay? Uh, it, it's a conversation. And that's what we're having here again this morning. And, and the thing is, it's the, the Holy Spirit is among us, and that's what makes it a conversation, because we're allowing Him to have an effect on us, even in this moment, in this present moment. Praise the Lord. It feels like we have been living in exile, you know? Uh, like we've been living separate from the things, the, the norms that we are used to, from the people that we love, kind of thrust a, a, a little over a year ago, thrust into this really difficult uh, circumstance, living apart, and all of a sudden, everything that we knew, all of a sudden it was all different, and we had to relearn. And I wonder, maybe you wonder, what is God's aim? What is his will? What is his desire for us? while we were living in exile, and even now, Lord willing, as we are coming out of it. What is his aim for us? We are looking at and listening to the prophet Jeremiah, and now we are getting a bit more understanding of this prophet. The Lord spoke to him, and he spoke to uh, God's people, and he gave Jeremiah a very clear message to give to the Israelites, the people of God, who were actually literally taken captive and living in exile, taken captive by the Babylonians and living in a foreign land. And he gave them some specific, um, a specific message. He gave them an aim. What is the Lord's aim for you, his, his desire for you? And so I invite you now to turn to the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. You can get it that way. We're going to read Jeremiah, first few verses. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders from among uh, elders among the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. 
The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. So it's a bit of context, a bit of history, a bit of what, what's actually going on here. It's a letter that was sent to the people that were taken captive and living now in, in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he had taken, uh, after this uh, siege on uh, Judah and Jerusalem, he had taken the royal family, and he had taken their advisors. He had taken the crafts uh, uh, people, the craftsmen and, and the artisans, uh, people that would be very helpful and useful to him in what he was trying to accomplish. In fact, what was happening is all of these people that were good with tools and arts and so on, a lot of that information and experience and knowledge was passed down from generation to generation, including the trade secrets. You know, when you're making something and you read and you go, oh, but then you find out what's behind it, what are the details that aren't written. That's what was getting passed along, and they took all those people and brought them over to Babylon. In fact, they pretty much took all the wealthy middle class from Jerusalem which was stacking the deck for Babylon and making Jerusalem in the region of Judah very weak. And this siege was actually the second siege from Babylon on Jerusalem. It precedes the third siege when we were in Lamentations. That was after the third one. This precedes it. It was in 597 uh, B.C. And it was uh, uh, horrible for these people, taken into captivity into a foreign land, held against their will. And these letters that we read about are actually a, a bit of a common practice. Letters would be sent like this, and if you want to know the veracity of this kind of a letter, you could go to Daniel chapter 9, and you would discover that, yes, this letter was received, and it was respected as being uh, a message from the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. And the people that were in uh, Babylon that were living, were living as civilians and, and citizens of Jerusalem and the region of Judah were now over there, and they were longing to get back. They were longing to get back to familiarity, longing to get back to their home, longing to get back to the good old days. And so when this letter arrives, yeah, news indeed. What does the Lord have for us? What is he going to tell us? What is he going to say? You know, when we use that phrase, the good old days, or <clears throat> I've actually heard the phrase, uh, back in the day. Back in the day, interestingly for us now, when we say back in the day or the good old days, we're really talking about like 2019. <laughs> so it's back in the good, yeah, I remember 2019. It used to be when builders or, or boomers talked about back in the day, it was like decades ago, you know, pre-internet or pre-smartphones. But now we say good old days and we're talking about, well, just pre-COVID. And the, yeah, the Israelites, they wanted to get back to the good old days. But the days prior to their captivity weren't all good. They were actually exhibiting a lot of discrimination. They were actually exhibiting oppression to people that weren't Jewish. 
they were actually carrying out violence and injustice themselves. And I wonder when we, at this moment, sort of on this cusp, when we talk about getting back or returning or, you know, back in the day or good old days, I wonder too if not everything from 2019 or earlier was good. And we tend to romanticize the past, but I think it is good for us to discern it and to pause and consider, especially as we look now to the steps that we take ahead. And you know, this, this reaction that we have when the people that were taken captive or when we were thrust into this pandemic, there are two common responses when this happens, when we are faced with this extreme challenge or, or, or stress. Two common responses, and that is to fight or to flee. It's a flight, fight or flight kind of a response. And we saw it. We saw it during this pandemic. People uh, became quite aggressive. I mean, you know, protesting or posting things on social media that were like stoking fear or agitating and, and so on, or being very aggressive in nature, even within the same household. And there was this aggression that came up, this sense that I got to fight. But we also saw uh, the opposite taking place where there was this sense of, like, I just want to escape. I just want to, like, run away or withdraw. And withdraw could be physically withdraw. Withdrawing could be like, I want to escape, so maybe it's, you know, uh, overuse of alcohol or recreational drugs. It was difficult pre-COVID, but when COVID hit for the youth and young adults, it became even sharper and more difficult. And even some um, contemplated or attempted the big escape. And it makes sense from a human perspective. Uh, we have this thing called the vagus nervous system. And one part of that is the sympathetic nervous system. And what that means is it gets triggered when, when there is stress or difficulty, and that sympathetic nervous system actually uh, generates that fight-or-flight response. I think of rabbits, man. There, there are a lot of rabbits, uh, jackrabbits, hares. Um, since uh, being in my office here, I've seen quite a few of them. They look like gangsters. Um, they're a bit bigger than what I'm used to in southern Manitoba. They've got attitude. They were staring me down in my office window, kind of blasting my window. And one day I came out the front door, and there were three of them, and they were chasing. One, one was chasing the other two, and he was like full on, or it was full on, you know, going after the other two, and they were chasing for a long while. And, and we see this aspect of, of fight or flight. We could use the rabbit as one example, where in one sense they were like charging these other two. But then you know what also happens if you go run after a rabbit, it tends to run. But you know what's also interesting? When a rabbit is crossing a field and they see some danger ahead, they have a very strong instinct 
to dig a hole, to bury, to escape. And that's kind of what this stress stuff does for us as well, from a human perspective. Add to that if we think God doesn't care. If we have been somehow convinced that either we don't matter, I don't matter, or God has turned away or doesn't care. But the Lord here gives the prophet Jeremiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives Jeremiah a message to give to these people that are literally in exile. And he gives them a message which is entirely an alternate way of living other than living by fight-or-flight response. He gives them this message, and when he gives this message and he shares it, he also reveals why. He reveals his aim for us. He reveals his aim for the people that are held captive, for all people. He reveals the aim, and his aim and his purpose is one that comes with a promise from our Creator. It's a promise that will really deliver so we continue in Jeremiah to see what is it that he's saying. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 4. Here's what the letter said. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. You know, what's striking about this is that he begins by saying, uh, the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Sabbat, it means the Lord of an army, the Lord of a large group, the Lord of this large host, this army. Sometimes the phrase is Lord Almighty. So when they hear this, they hear, this is the word from the Lord Almighty, the Lord of a large army. And I'm, I imagine what they were thinking is, oh, good. Here comes a message from the Lord of the big host army. It's on. Now we're going to have at it. But what does he say? What does he say? He says, build houses, plant gardens, eat. You know, it's not fight at all. It's also not flee. It's not run away. It reminds me a lot of the creation account in Genesis, right at the beginning, the message to the people that he created from the outset. He says, what? Be fruitful and multiply. Here's my idea. Here's, here's, look at this. Be fruitful and multiply. Take, eat, enjoy. What he's really saying to them in the first instance is, eat, pray, love. Have children. Get married. 
It's the way that we're meant to live. It's the way that he has designed it to, for us to live. It's his desire for us. It's how we are meant to be. You may have heard this phrase, and it's appropriate for this context here, the phrase, bloom where you were planted. The circumstance that you find yourself in. There's a shovel that a friend of ours gave to Kimberly and me when we were moving here, and on the handle of the shovel it says, bloom where you were planted. In other words, where you are. Do you know that vegetables and flowers and all this stuff, it actually grows right out of dirt and manure. So even in a difficult circumstance, he says, build, plant, eat. But why? Why is he giving this message? This is completely, wildly, shockingly different than fight or, or, or flee. And for that, we go to verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, repeating it again, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. He repeats this word welfare, or maybe in your translation it's prosperity. The Hebrew word, is shalom. It's shalom. <laughs> it's peace. And all that that means, it means well-being. It means peace of mind. It means peace in relationship. It's peace, shalom. Peace is God's aim for us. Peace is God's aim for the people of God. But it's even grander. His aim is for peace for all people. His aim is for all of creation to be at peace. To have this peace. You know, when Jesus had risen after his crucifixion and burial after three days and he had risen he met with the disciples in Jerusalem and the door was closed but he entered because he was the same except different there was continuity and discontinuity he was the same they could recognize him but something was different but then he entered the room and you know what his first pronouncement was to them yeah Peace be to you. It's the same Greek that's connected to the Hebrew. He pronounces peace, and he pronounced it twice. Peace be with you. Peace is what he has as our aim. And here's the equation. This is also very strange. This is only God's way. It's not a human way. Listen to the divine equation that he has. 
He desires peace. And peace means for us to have peace, he says, to pray for peace for those that are even having, uh, holding you captive. Pray for the peace of your enemies. Sounds like Jesus in chapter 5 of Matthew. He says, pray for the peace of them. In fact, he says, pray for their peace. And the equation is, because if they have peace, you will have peace, and there will be peace. Now, for us to have peace, yeah, yeah, I, I, we want peace, transparently, sure. I'd like to have, you know, uh, thing, life to be well, to be balanced, uh, emotional, mental, spiritual, relational. But do I want peace for, you know, them? For that person or those people that were hassling me? Those people that were continually like, are getting it wrong and I have to keep following up? Not so much, right? So that's so inspirational here from God himself. Because listen, what he is actually saying is that there is a connection between our peace and other people's peace. He's saying actually that somehow... My peace is connected to your peace. It's related. It's connected. Could I say it's even dependent on other people's peace? So his aim is for us to have peace. But you know, he also reveals something in this for the people of God. So he wants peace for all, but for the people of God. And he was telling the people that were in exile in Babylon, he was giving them a sense of purpose while they were there. If that is his aim for everyone, then the purpose, particularly for people that are followers of Jesus, that are God's people, the purpose for us is to join him in the establishment of peace, to participate with him. Not that it's up to us, but the invitation is to participate with him in the establishment of peace where we are. Do you know that when the word Christian was first used, it was actually used as an insult? What the first sort of congregation, the first church in the New Testament era, the first group of followers of Jesus, other people began to call them by something. And you know what they called them? They called them people of the way. They called them people of the way because they recognized these people that follow Jesus, they live a certain way. And the way they live stands out in contrast. Like, like a, a light on a hill. They live a certain way, but that certain way is also, even though it's this stark contrast, it's kind of oddly attractive. 
I want to know more about that way. You don't seem to be people that fight. You don't seem to be people that run away either. You seem to do things that are just contrary and in contrast with everything that's going on. But you seem to have this kind of like vibe of peace about you. You live by the way. People of the way. It challenges our humanness. It does. It challenges our human instincts, like a rabbit who wants to either run or dig or fight. It challenges us. Because we want peace, and maybe we want it among our friends and our family, but then to go further, but to do it this way, to do it this way, to actually seek peace for all people and to live and to thrive and, and be among people, it sounds, you know, unreasonable. It doesn't sound logical or rational. But it's in that moment when we think that way that we place human reason and logic as the high mark by which now we are asking God to answer to. But he's greater than that. The way isn't dependent on human reason or human logic. Praise the Lord. I'm not following just the smartest person. You got me? This isn't about who's the most logical or reasonable. This is the creator of the universe and a God who is love. And he's coming with a promise. His words have a promise. And it's funding our imaginations for what he desires and his aim. And that requires a step of faith. To say, even though it kind of is dissonant with my logic or my reasoning, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to lean in and live this way. Among people. And extend and amplify the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be among people. You're probably wondering, as I, I want to illustrate this this, this morning, and you're probably wondering why I have uh, a donut uh, inner tube here. And this is actually supposed to be a donut, yeah. Uh, it's part of that combination of eat, pray, love theme. Because, uh, uh, But also, so he's saying to be among. That's really the essence of it. His aim is for peace and for us to be among people and not to be separate from people. That we're actually created. We're meant to be among people. So where would you think that this is most effective? Where, where would this be most effective? Outside. More specific. In the water. It's nice here on this carpet or even on the back of a truck, but it's actually meant to be in the water. We have to be in the... It's meant, its purpose, its function is to be in the water. Now, if you go down the Bow River in this, um, yeah, possibly, I don't know. But what would happen if I um, filled it with water? What? What would happen if I filled it with water? It would sink. 
So the, so the idea is that we're, it's meant to be in the water, but it's still also different, right? There's something else going on. And if too much water got in here, there would be a problem. So we have to, it, we're in, but we're not of. He is calling us to be separate from. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you are called apart, but then not to live apart. You are called apart. You are filled with the Holy Spirit, but now you are called to go to and be among and be for people. We're for, because God is for people. What would happen if I let the air out of this? If I let the air out of this, it would go flat. It wouldn't be useful anymore. So we need to continue to draw on the Holy Spirit. In that same occasion, when Jesus was with the disciples in Jerusalem in chapter 20, when he arrived and after he had pronounced peace, you know what he did? You know what he said? He said, peace I give to you. And then you know what? This remarkable scene, uh, uh, John 20, I'm thinking uh, 19, I'm not exactly sure, but in that zone. And you know what he said? He breathed on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. The Greek word actually is um, holy wind. Pneumahagios. It's, it's, and so, friends, that is what he's calling us to. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are separate in that way, called apart, but then to be in and among and for. I think of the serve team. Tosh and Chris and Brittany, the leaders. Katie, Cassidy, Julia, Eric, Garrett, Slater, Maxwell. What they're learning, what they're learning to do is to get back out of, from their comfort zone of sort of isolation and safety, and they're learning how to be in the water. How to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but to be for people. You see, they're learning how to do that. Youth and young adults, I know, like in your summer jobs. Your summer jobs and you're among others. And it can be challenging. You're going back to university or maybe your first job. And the message, <laughs> the message is eat, pray, love. It's be there, be there. But, you know, don't let all the water get in and don't let the air come out. Don't let the Holy Spirit come out either because then it's of no use. But you're there and you're for people and the Lord will use you. And that's what he's calling us to. It challenges our way of thinking about evangelism. Old school evangelism, it, had, it worked in its day. But the, the sort of traditional model of evangelism is really about a monologue. It's somebody says something, they have a presentation, and they make an argument. But this way that Jesus is talking about that in, the, in the New Testament and that we're hearing about in Jeremiah is you, the, the fancy word is incarnational. It means being, embodying the gospel, being the gospel, gospeling the gospel, where you are present with people. And it turns out now in this kind of a setting, it's a conversation. It's a dialogue with people. And you communicate through exchanging ideas and experiences and so on. And it's 
shared in relationship with people. You have a relationship with people. And so this sacred space that we're in here this morning is wonderful. And this is when we come together, it's kind of like a holy huddle. We come together, we get the game plan, we hear the Lord, and we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then after that, what we do is, there's all this sacred space that's out there too, because He is out there too. He's already there. He's already there. So then we come and we join, we go, oh, you know what? The pressure's not on. No, no, you know, just be. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and be in conversation and in dialogue. But you're different because the world needs you. Young people, young adults, everyone, the world needs this. They need to know the living Lord Jesus Christ. They need to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness of sins. They need to know that they matter and that there is something real beyond the immediate. So, I pronounce peace to you. Peace to us. Receive peace. Take peace in. Be gospelers of that gospel. And when you are feeling turmoil, when you are feeling anxious, and you're feeling like that rabbit, and you want to chase or you want to hide, there's also another part of the vagus nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic, uh, sorry, the, par the sympathetic has us in fight or flight. The parasympathetic helps us to be calm. And the way we get there is to breathe. Interestingly enough, it's to breathe. And so you can picture saying, breathing in and saying, Holy Spirit, breathe in me. Holy Spirit, Breathe in me. And instead of going down the fight or flight, we go down serenity and peace. So we say, Holy Spirit, breathe in us. Can you imagine being gospelers in this way? Taking that step. This letter continues. We only got a part of the way through it. It continues next week when we continue to dig into it. I'm going to ask the music team to come forward. Heavenly Father, continue to breathe in us, breathe on us. Holy Spirit, that we would be gospeling a gospel and living the way. We pray this in your name. Amen.